Good morning, Mill City Church. It is so good to be with you. Before we jump into the message today, I want us to take a moment to pray. Pray together for Afghanistan, for the people of Afghanistan and what's happening there. And so let's together approach the throne of grace with boldness. Father, we thank you that you are a good and loving Father. And we thank you that you want us to run to you and come to you in a time of need. And we see need. We see need for the Afghan people as there is transition and difficulty happening as we hear of people running for their lives, scared. And so, Lord Jesus, we, have, we say, Lord, have mercy. Our hearts are heavy as we see pictures and we hear stories. And so would you do what only you can do? Would you move on their behalf? We pray for protection. We pray for wisdom. We pray for peace. Father, I pray for the church of Jesus in Afghanistan to shine brightly. And we pray, Father, for hope, and for love, and for life, for truth, to rule and reign. And so ultimately we say, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus, make things right. And restore all things and bring ultimate peace to our world. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So life is full of invitations. I don't know about you, but I get them in the mail, we get them in our emails, we get them on text, birthdays, weddings, funerals, grand opening sales, an invitation to dinner, invitation to LinkedIn. Some of them are not a big deal. If you accept them, great. If you don't, not, not going to have much of an impact on your life. But there are other invitations. Maybe it's an invitation to be an intern. Maybe it's an invitation to, for a job offer. If you accept or don't accept these types of invitations, they're going to have a much more dramatic impact on your life. Could alter the trajectory of your life, your career, where you end up, do you respond to an invitation to a particular school or a different one? Maybe who you end up marrying or where you end up living or all those types of things could be impacted by your response to that invitation. But today, we're starting a vision series. We're going to talk about the vision of Mill City Church. And as we talk about this, it's, it's less of an attempt to articulate our vision for Mill City in the year ahead, though it is that. It is, it is actually more, though, an attempt to articulate Jesus' vision for our church, and maybe more specifically, Jesus' vision for each one of us, which ultimately begins with an invitation. It's Jesus' invitation to each one of us to become a disciple of him. And if we accept that invitation, we will experience not just a bit of a change in one aspect of our lives, but we will experience transformation. Transformation, not just in some external things, but actually on the inside as well. And it will impact then our jobs and our relationships. And it will impact our thinking 
and it'll impact our desires. It will impact every aspect of our lives. Now, I don't know what your experience has been with church and church vision. I've been a part of church my whole life, and, and oftentimes the, the vision of the church is, you know, we're gonna, we want to feed this many people, and we're maybe so huge, uh, we want to change the world. But I want us all to notice that Jesus didn't invite his followers to change the world. He didn't say, hey, I need you to follow me so you can do something important for God. His invitation was to follow him. And those who did, and if I can say today, and those who do, will then have a dramatic impact on the world. An impact on your neighborhood, an impact on your workplace, an impact on the people around you. And so I just want us to start by, by putting out specifically, artic well, clearly articulated, the vision of Mill City Church. It's this, encountering Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did so that northern Colorado looks more like heaven. Now, you might notice the, the second half of that, the so that. And the so that of that uh, vision statement is actually just kind of the byproduct. What we're going to what we're going to talk about for these next three weeks is the first part of that statement. But I think it's worth articulating the so that because the so that aligns with God's vision and goal for our world. In the very beginning of creation, God established a perfect world and his desire was for humanity to walk with God. Walk with God in the cool of the day, it says for humanity to work with God in subduing the earth. That was all broken and made a mess of as a result of sin and humans going their own way. And we read the scripture and we see that all broken apart. And we certainly can see that in our own lives today. But we can see and have an idea of where God wants the world to go. And we see actually a really beautiful picture of that in Revelation chapter 21 second to the last chapter of the Bible, having a vision of the end, the John the Revelator, the writer of Revelation, says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. The sea, S-E-A, being a, 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 a symbol of evil and chaos. So evil and chaos will be gone. It says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. Here we have that with God, dwelling with God again. There will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse four, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. So scripture begins with God living and ruling with his people and his desire is for that again. You know what that's called? It's called redemption. Redeeming all things and making all things new. Restoring, renewing. And so we want to partner with God and not just look forward, but actually be a part of that today. That's why we pray the Lord's Prayer. 
which has the phrase in it, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is not just a prayer for the future. It's actually a prayer for now. And so the so that is all about the kingdom of God coming to earth. And so we can be a part of that. And the vision from El City Church is that we would lean into what Jesus has for us. And as a result of, and the outcome of that will be more of heaven coming to earth. And so today we're going to start off by talking about first part of that vision statement, and that is encountering Jesus. I don't know if you've ever met with somebody who just went on a trip and when they go on a trip, they might come back and they want to show you their pictures. And, and it's fun to see some pictures, but you ever talk to somebody when they're like, oh, and this and that, and, and you can feel their excitement and, and you're like, oh, that, that looks awesome. That looks really fun. Oh, that meal looks really good. But they go into the details and I got 14 pictures of this, this food and this table and this place. And, and you're like, I love this, but I'm not in the same place that you are. I certainly have experienced that when somebody went to Israel. And I've taken classes. I've read books on Israel, the Holy Land. And then just a couple of years ago, I went. And you know what? The difference between the pictures and the experience were dramatically different. It was awesome to see the pictures, but it was a whole nother thing to actually go. Because in, I encountered Israel, didn't just hear about Israel. I'd like to suggest that there is a big difference between hearing about Jesus and actually encountering Jesus. There's a lot of people in our day who hear about Jesus. But I wonder what would happen if we actually encountered him. If we look in the Gospels, we see Jesus encountering encounters happening over and over again. And it is the encounter that leads then to something dramatic. We have, we have accounts of the encounters of the, of the followers, the 12 disciples, God, Jesus had many more than 12 disciples, but we know of his specific close inner circle, the 12 disciples, Matthew and Mark and, 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 and Luke and all these others. But he has, Jesus has interactions and encounters with the demoniac, a man who is riddled with demonic possession. And he has an encounter with Jesus and it changes everything. We have uh, the story of Jesus having an encounter with a woman, a Samaritan woman at a well. And it changes everything. That one little encounter changes everything. It's one of the reasons I love, maybe you've watched The Chosen. I love that, the, the, that series. Partially because it shows so well what happens when people encounter Jesus. They kind of have this like, who is this guy? And there's something about this guy. I want to spend time with him. I, I want to hear more and more of what he has to say. And these people became disciples after a personal encounter with Jesus. 
outside of the Gospels, we get into the book of Acts after Jesus ascends into heaven. There's a guy named Paul. And Paul has a, an encounter on the road to Damascus. Paul, his name was Saul first, was actually persecuting Christians, was actually killing those who were following Jesus. And he's on the road to Damascus to, to, to find, capture, and potentially kill more Christians. And on that road, he, he ha- he's blinded by light and he runs into and has an encounter with Jesus. And it changes everything. And we have letters from the Apostle Paul who was on his road to kill Christians who now is the builder of one of the significant builders of the church in the first century. Why? Because he encountered Jesus. Because of that one encounter, not only did the trajectory of his life change, did his job change, but something dramatic started to happen over time in his heart, in his life, in the way he saw the world, in the way that he saw other people. And so my hope is, is that we would encounter Jesus. We provide opportunities for people to encounter Jesus. We would lead people to actually meet the living Jesus. Not to hear stories, not to just, just to have, see some pictures, hear about somebody else's experience, but actually have the experience to encounter ourselves. Now, the Apostle Paul, in all of his experiences, did some pretty amazing things for God. He built churches. He planted churches in Philippi and Colossae and wrote letters. He kind of in many ways became the, the father of these churches and, and, and wrote with authority and he oversaw and, and he helped lead and raise up leaders. He did some significant things. But in Philippians chapter 3, he says this, I consider everything. This is after having done some really amazing things for God. He says, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. This word that I might know Christ is the word gnosko in the Greek, which is the original language that this would have been written in. This word gnosko is not like an intellectual knowledge. You know, I just, I consider everything lost because I know a lot about God. I know a lot about this Jesus. It's not an intellectual knowledge. It's actually an experiential knowledge of someone. It's, it's not an emotion. I don't know, I don't know just about my wife, Jossie. I actually know Jossie. I know her. I gnosko her. This is, a, this is an experiential knowledge of my wife. And that is the knowledge that Paul is encouraging. And he's saying, I've done a lot of great things, but it's all about this. He's saying it's not just about what you do for God. He actually is saying the basis of anything we do for God must be rooted in communion with Oh, it's good to know about God. We should learn more about God. We should read the Gospels and know more about who Jesus is. But I love what Bernard of Clairvaux, a church father in the 11th century, said. 
He says, all our cognitive knowledge of God is but a preparation for the subjective encounter with God. And this, this seeing and knowing was Jesus' desire. It's the reason he met people. He didn't just send out a letter. He actually went from place to place. God came down to be with us, for us to encounter him. And Jesus has tension with the Pharisees, actually rebukes them in John chapter 5 because they missed this. John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees and teachers of the law, he says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, Jesus says, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So they were, they knew the scriptures. They knew about God. They had memorized the scriptures, but they were using the scriptures as a weapon. They were using the scriptures as, as, a, as a solution. They were using the scriptures as, as the ability to develop life principles. In our verbiage of our day, using the scriptures as a self-help manual. When Jesus is saying, you missed the point point of the scriptures is that you would find Jesus, that you would meet Jesus, not just know about God, but actually know God. See, the first step in following Jesus is not knowing more about Jesus, it is actually knowing Jesus more. We live in a world where there's a lot of talk these days about deconstruction and people deconstructing their faith. Twitter, there's hashtags exvangelical. There's different things going on where people are walking away from church, walking away from God, saying, oh, I'm deconstructing. This isn't, this isn't real. I don't know if I believe in God anymore. And, and I have found that as I've had conversations with people who are doing that, that, that many people are upset at God because he didn't do what they expected him to do. Which really to me says that you're actually reevaluating who God is. And in some ways, I think we, maybe, maybe they got taught, this is who God is and this is what it means to follow him. And I wonder oftentimes if, if they've actually never really encountered Jesus. Not because there isn't things to rethink, not because we can't have doubts, not because we shouldn't question. God's bigger than our questions. God welcomes our doubts. A study was done several years ago evaluating young people in our country and asking, what, what does it mean to follow God? And after studying thousands of young people, they came up with this phrase or this, this descriptor called moralistic therapeutic deism. Like that's the God that they follow. It's a God who, who need, needs them to do the right things, but will make me feel good, but does it all from a distance. Moralism, do the right thing. Therapeutic, make me feel good. Deism, God from a distance. 
But if that's the God that you expect when you do the right thing and you don't feel good, then you're thinking, God, why aren't you holding up your end of the bargain? If I'm doing my part, why aren't you doing yours? And so you think, well, that's not real. That's not happening. Why am I suffering? Why am I in pain? Why isn't this going well? Sky Jatani wrote a book called With. And his, the premise of the book is, is that we've missed out on what it actually means to follow Jesus. And that is to be with him rather than to have the understanding of God where we are under him, over him, from him, or for God first and foremost. And so he's, he, he helps us to reimagine what it looks like to understand a God who is, whose primary desire is for us to be with him, which is why the scripture doesn't promise the, alleviated, the alleviation of suffering, but actually says, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. So the question maybe for all of us is, who is God to us? Is he our cosmic therapist, our consultant or our advisor, something I, I need to go to you because I need to get something? Or is he in fact the gift? Not what we get from him and what the gifts that we experience from him, but is he actually the gift? Like if you're asked the question, what is the best part about following Jesus? I've asked that question, you know what? I've gotten a lot of answers and blessing and, and all these things. And you know what though? The answer to that question, the best part, part of following Jesus is Jesus. Which is why in Matthew chapter 13, we love the parable, simple parable, simple story of Jesus. One verse, verse 44, says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden, hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Why? Because it was the best thing. It, it was the only thing. It was worth sacrificing everything else in order for that to happen. Too often what happens is that Jesus isn't the treasure. We think Jesus is the means to the treasure. Sky Jatani in his book With says, if our vision of God was enlarged and corrected, God would cease to be how we acquire the treasure and he would become our treasure. See, that's what God wants. The encounter is about us actually being with God. Several years ago, I lost my oldest son. <laughs> we were at a, at a, at a, in a big public place and lots of people around and I lost my son for about five minutes. It was a scary five minutes. Five minutes felt like five years. If you're a parent and you've lost your kid for a little bit of time, you know what that's like. But during that time, while I was running around trying to find my son, I wasn't thinking, ah, it doesn't matter. I've got three more. 75%'s not bad. And I never thought, man, I gotta find him because otherwise who's gonna mow the lawn? <laughs> of course not. I wanted my son because I love him and I didn't want to do life without him. And that's what God is saying. And that's why he sent his son Jesus. That's why it's important that we have encounters with Jesus. I grew up in a Christian home. 
been going to church most of my life. And I can think back as I prepared for this message, thinking back about some of the most significant encounters I've had as a follower of Jesus. And they have been like that. Some of them. I remember as a high school student going to camp, youth camp, and, and in those times of worship, experiencing the power and the love of God. Maybe the time that I, I made my faith my own. It's one of the reasons that I can't, parents, I can't encourage you enough to send your kids to fall camp because it's, a, it's extra space to have an encounter with Jesus. I've had encounters with God when I, in terms of calling, in terms of what am I, what am I, what am I supposed to do with my life? I've had some significant encounters with Jesus to move to Fort Collins, Plant Hill City Church. And sometimes, and a lot of times, those have been in larger spaces, but you know, they've also been in individual places of solitude. Individual moments with God, sweet moments. I think those have been spaces. It's one of the reasons that I, I can't encourage you enough to be faithful in gathering church. It's online. If you can make it in person, it's so important. Not just that, oh yeah, I did a, did a good thing. I, I was around God. There's a difference about being around God or around godly things and actually meeting with God, encountering Him. And we don't just encounter Him once, though it is so important that we encounter Jesus because He will transform your life. But we don't stop at that once Israel, I want you to go. That's true. But I've encountered Jesus. Come on in. I want you to encounter him too. So maybe the question today is have you ever encountered Jesus? Or maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. And you've made following Jesus about something else besides Jesus. So today I just want us to take a listening to, maybe engaging in a song. Callie's going to lead us. And so she sings this song about what it's all about and us moving towards God, making it just about Him. Have you evaluated? Have you asked yourself, is Jesus my friend?